นะโมจะสะภะวะตุระหะตุสัมมาสัมพุทธะสะนะโมจะสะภะวะตุระหะตุสัมมาสัมพุทธะสะนะโมจะสะภะวะตุระหะตุสัมมาสัมพุทธะสะพุทธังดัมมังสังฆังนมสามิYeah, some things that are probably quite obvious. <coughs> well, we can consider birth is dukkha. With birth comes the pressure, the burden, the weight, carrying, sense consciousness, fragile body, subject to aging sickness, and so on. Here you are, <laughs> first. <laughs> Seems like fun at first, <laughs> but along with the laughter come the tears, <laughs> and so on. Uh, it's a struggle, uh, and then uh, aging, sickness, death, separation from the like, dissociation with the dislike, not getting what one wishes, uh, and then somewhat, perhaps more mysterious, the five uh, aggregates affected by. Upadana, kanda, aggregates affected by upadana, clinging, are dukkha, or a burden, a pressure, a weight. So the five aggregates, rupa, uh, form often. Lost as body, but something a bit more than body—just one's own body, but the whole world of experienced form, form as an experience. Something manifests. How does it manifest? It manifests within consciousness, vinyana, sense consciousness. So these are the two. Uh, extremes of the five kanda, rupa, one end form seemingly substantial, consciousness the other end seemingly insubstantial. Yeah. Consciousness means visual consciousness, auditory consciousness, uh, you know. T- uh, Nose consciousness, taste consciousness, body consciousness, mind consciousness, mano vinyana, mind consciousness. Six folded up consciousnesses that work together, rather like origami, it unfolds and it folds up. Yeah. So these are the consciousnesses. So without a visual consciousness, the world of visual form cannot exist. Cannot come into existence, mm-hmm. and visual consciousness is very different from auditory consciousness. You can't see any sounds. You can't hear any shapes. So the rupa of visual consciousness is shape. So then rupa is sometimes translated as shape. The sound, the form of associated with auditory consciousness is sound, which is a certain, um, you know, that experience, and so forth through the sense bases, and they're all very different, aren't they? So, but through the mind, mind consciousness synthesizes; it sticks it all together. So it's that. Shape reminds me of a car. 
a tree, a dog, uh, you know, Suki, person I know. That's called perception, sanya. Feeling. Oh, I like that. Agreeable, pleasant, beautiful. Mm. Or unpleasant feeling. So, sanya, vedana, sankara. Oh, I like one of those. Oh, he looks interesting. Oh, wow. Get one of that. Mm. Impulse. This floor is dirty, sweep it up. You know, tidy it up. It's a dirty floor. Mm. You don't sweep the grass, you don't mind that the grass is dirty. <laughs> you know, but you decide a piece of other piece of territory is dirty because it's got things on it. That's perception. You associate floor, clean, you know, whatever that means. So perception triggers sankara. So it's just the, so then the world arises, doesn't it? And so the mind interprets visual consciousness, says that shape there refers to this impression I have of Suki or Karma or whatever her name is. Uh-huh, I like her. She's a good person. And so then we get three-dimensional, she exists in time. It's not just the moment, it's something that exists in time. The mind adds time to it. And then this three-dimensional world arises once we have the sense of that which was. Yeah, This reminds me of something that was. Then we can speculate about the future. There will be. It could be. It might be. It ought to be. It might never. When will it be? How will it be? So because of the past, the future arises. Because the mind does the past to recognize things, it also hypothesizes a future. So the world of past, present, future arises in the mind. Mind creates it. So this is how Rupa Sanya, Vedana, Sankara, Vijnana generate the world, Kanda. This is called the world of existence, the Bhava. Bhava, because it's existence, it exists. Another way of word Bhava is interpreted is, is becoming. You know, those seem to be very different because the English language doesn't do what exactly what the Pali is doing. But what this implies is whatever comes into existence is bound to a certain momentum. Yeah? It's always changing to something else. Some of it's quite slowly, some of it's quite quickly. But the world that has come into existence through this sticking together of sanya, vedana, sankara, rupa, vijnana, sticking together, that which is concocted is bound into change, mutability. Yeah? You see a baby, you know that's going to be a girl, a woman, an old woman, a dead woman. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like something, if you sped it up, if you made it go fast, you'd see it blossoming and coming to full shape and then slowly shrinking and crumbling. That's the world of Rupa. It does that. Of course, it's slow at that level. It'd take 70 years, 80 years, something like that. This is, you know, that's that's becoming. It's always becoming something else. And if you look at it more closely, you know, you take it down to the, the just the experience of a body. The body is becoming. So you wake up. It's, it's coming out of sleep. It's becoming awake. Its energies are changing. It's becoming hungry. It's becoming cold, and it contracts with the cold and it kind of tightens up with the hunger and it seeks to be warm and it unfolds into the warmth and it gets some food and it ah, it eases into the food 
and it gets a little bit greedy about the food. <laughs> so it gets a little bit stuffed with the food, and it feels slightly sleepy, and it goes slightly foggy, then it falls asleep. <laughs> it's always becoming something else. And you notice it, it, the experience of it changes from being bright and zestful and full of vigor to feeling kind of slightly tense and then slightly woolly and fuzzy and sleepy and groggy and oozing down into a sleepy jelly at the end of the day. And occasional jolts as you wake up in the middle of the night, got sharp and jagged and having a bad dream or something. So this is the world of form, this is the body always becoming something else, and what does he eventually become? Dead. <laughs> what was all that about? <laughs> what that was about was creating another body who could do the same thing. <laughs> you see, everything's doing it. Trees are doing it, you know, in their own way. See them blossoming and growing and seeding and fruiting and then fading and crumbling. That's the world of becoming. Yeah. And so it's not all miserable. In the, in the details, it can be quite agreeable and pleasant details. But you look at the big picture and think, wow, what was all that about? You know, this is called existence. But, uh, and then, you know, the, that's clung. That means it's, it's stuck together through the sticking together of these kanda. Now you know, yeah? it's the, it, through that forming into an entity which is stuck together through the experience of rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vijnana, stuck together. And it seems to be a coherent entity that's kind of moving along in time and in space and going nowhere really but having a few bit of fun on the way until we go over the edge of the cliff mm. there's a way out of this and it's through the complete disbanding of clinging Letting go. Uh, not easy. Some of it you can do a little bit, it can be easy, you know, you can let go of, you know, strawberry jam, yogurt, coffee, bits and pieces. That's good. And get used to that, that, that experience. So every time you experience that sense of something you want to cling to and you just back off and let go of it practice it, you know, obvious things and so you slow down a little bit to watch that reflex something you you feel will give you security or pleasure if you're like, uh, oh, get that, just pause not to blame or criticize, just to witness the energy of something craving or thirst and then the drive and the about to get it the about to get it moment is lovely. About to get that desirable object. Oh, and then you get it and oh. <laughs> so what? Another one. Uh, so just witness the clinging. There's something comes sharply into focus. Something is about to then it comes sharply into focus and it glows with desirability. This is the magic, isn't it? Glow. That will make me fit, clean, happy, healthy, safe, secure, ah, warm. And then when you get it, oh, now I just feel agitated or anxious or now my mind is thinking of something else I could have or get or not have or be or worry about. Dukkha, unsatisfactory. So clinging, witness the reflex of it. It's not something you necessarily do, it's a reflex that happens. So it's not dependent on self, it's dependent on 
something called tanha, thirst, craving, thirst for security, thirst for a future, thirst for progress, thirst to be something, thirst to be recognized, thirst to be admired, thirst to be safe, thirst to be comfortable, thirst to be understood, thirst to be fed, thirst to be, you know, thirst, thirst, thirst. And this, what we know is when we're not getting it, we feel grumpy, or bad, or lacking, or pathetic, or feeble, or something like that. Now, you know, so okay, any of these, you just, the, the remedy really, or basic remedy, just pause. Any of that. Remember, these are just, this is just a sort of like a, an organic system that's operating this way. It's not a person. It's not a personal failing. There's nothing wrong with you in doing that. That's the way the system works. Yeah, I, so I contemplate. You know, the pause, just building in these pauses so that you, instead of your attention blurring and speeding on to the next thing, which will be the fulfillment, a pause in the moment of recognizing that interest, the rising of interest, aha, uh-huh. interesting, movement, chitana, volition, how is this? How is this? Now there are such things as skillful desires, which are much more to do with clear conscious motivation. So it's not blind. So the only thing you want to really avoid is being blind, ignorant, avijja, not seeing. So this is the main thing. So to see and to witness clearly, to notice, to feel, not just to see with your head, but to feel with your heart, the push, the pull, the magnetism, yeah, the flurry, the rush, the grab, the hold, and then what happens then? So this is the shift and change. Mm-hmm. Things change. And then releasing that as it softens, changes, the pause, slowing it down, allows you the possibility to move into awareness. Yeah. You're aware. It's kind of simple. The existence is complicated, very highly fabricated and complex and built upon. Release is extremely simple. You know? See, witness, be awake, fully awake, feel, not just awake with your head, awake with your eyes, but awake with your body, feel your body pressing, compressing, rushing, and rushing through your nervous system, the impulse, your eyes tighten up, yeah. uh, feel it through your heart, the heart races or freezes, gets stimulated, spins, gets frozen, stiff, bursts with passion, jumps up and down, Ah, pause, breathing out, don't come into stabilize the rhythm, And you can do this just through feeling the entirety of your body, or it's called field awareness, opening to the field. The field can be sense of the entire body, it can be the entire listening, the entire seeing, or even the entirety of the heart, being sensitive to feeling is this way. I can feel myself feeling things. 
and that's okay, remember, always okay. So don't add any shouldn't be, why am I doing, I've always been like this. Don't add any, just, it's okay, you want to know. So in the the Buddha, when he contemplated dependent origination, said, fully aware of craving. I understood craving is dependent upon Vedana, feeling. I understood this. He only understood it by fully sensing it, opening to it. Uh, And I opened to clinging. And I saw, realized, came to understand clinging is dependent upon craving. And it's really at this... um, place where one can possibly um, cease or check this bond of clinging, craving to cling. That is, if you can be fully open to the experience of that craving to have or craving to get rid of, I want to be separate from this, I really want to get out of this, I can't stand it, I don't want it shouldn't be. Give me out. Pause. Feel that you're tightening up in your belly. Can you take 10 seconds to relax? Can you make that 10, 15 as the pressure goes down? Coming down into your feet. Standing, opening your back, your shoulders. Breathing out. You're aware craving is like this, clinging is like this. And the blind bonding of craving to clinging is something you can start to open up, start to lever it open. And you realize within that there's a space, a space which is aware vital, alive, free. Hmm. Where's that? Who's that? So just to recollect, you know, bear in mind, you know, we have all kinds of um, self-impressions of what we should be, and what's nice, or correct, or proper, and when you get down to it, you've got to Put aside the impressions of yourself, your personal social self. Mm. This is the place where you make peace with being a wreck and a, a totally um, bound up, addicted wreck. <laughs> and say, fine, okay, uh, let's open this up. And it's often, uh, as it's said in the Sutta, uh, suffering is a condition for the arising of faith. Because one is fully conscious, aware of suffering, of stress, of the burden, the awareness of it in that glimmering there's that there's some sense in which already by being able to name it rather than just be running in it there's some glimmering of there could be a way out there could be a stepping out of this there could be an opening out of this there's your doorway into awareness Mm-hmm. Just like using a pause, lengthening it between those knee-jerk reflex reactions. And you probably, as you contemplate this, as I encourage it, you notice perhaps different things work for you. You know, you may have strong tanha for, I don't know, sights or sounds or tastes or 
whatever, you know, that other people, different for her, different for him, but we all know what it feels like, that uh, rush. And of course it's not just external senses, a huge amount of it is on the mind base, a search for knowledge, a search for the future, a search for security, physical security, psychological security, let the future be steady and a rosy uh, horizon awaits for me somewhere when things will be sorted out Mm. Mm. (laughs) well (laughs) the good news is that that there's a present where that is possible in the future it's not possible (laughs) because there is no future present continues to unfold dependent upon conditions and causes. If you establish clarity in the present, then the future will unfold with clarity. If you establish faith, warmth, openness in the present, the future will unfold that way. If you establish anxiety, desperation in the present, the future will be anxious and desperate. Pretty simple really. It's not going to change because the causes and conditions you, you're setting them up now <laughs> or something's setting them up now how could it be otherwise? Mm. you know, you look at it, you consider it let's reflect upon it you know, how, much, how, many, uh, how many weapons are in the world? how much does the world government spend on weapons? A huge, that would destroy the earth a hundred times over so many weapons we could blast each other to smithereens and do it over and over again for a year and we still wouldn't use up all the armaments we've got and this is going to keep us safe right? and we're going to get even safer so we'll build some more weapons to keep us even safer and so we still don't feel safe enough so we'll build even bigger weapons to keep us even safer We'll keep each other safer by threatening to blow each other to pieces. And still the world feels incredibly threatened and unsafe and people are glowering and saber-rattling and threatening each other. What a safe world we've gotten into through doing all these things to make us safe. Because we don't feel safe. Now if we address the not feeling safe directly, like here I am, life is uncertain, existence changes, I'm aware, I take refuge in that, I ground in that, I know that's the only place, I have to face up to that, I could die tomorrow, this could die tomorrow anyway, I rest in awareness, I calm in that, I relax into that, I open into that, gradually feeling safe no weapons I accept this form will pass away I feel safe I feel safe not alert safe comfortable in presence not becoming not developing not building up more and more defense but resting in what I already have This is not going to catch on, admittedly. But uh, for those of you who have begun to understand that somehow you may not even be that clear in your in your thinking, but you've got the sense that your suffering, your stress, your incompleteness is something that's not going to shift by adding more candies by cuddling another teddy bear by buying another doodad by going to another party it ain't going to happen but it could happen through cultivation and you've got that so you're, you've opened a door marvellous, wonderful 
And if you rest in that and abide in that, sure there's going to be challenges, but you're going to be coming out to the safety. Hmm? Can't be another way, because you set up the causes and conditions. This is not a personal thing. It doesn't matter who you are as a person, yeah? who you are as an individual, because this is not personal. This is to do with a, an organic Dhamma system. You set up the causes and conditions for liberation. It cannot be that if those causes and conditions are nurtured, fed, protected, looked after, they cannot bear fruit. How long? We don't know. But that's where it's going. Okay, so to get back, Rupa, Vijnana. Now, what do these do? Huh? Now you take it just this is a process uh, of, of uh, skillful analysis, investigation. You take a sense base like visual seeing consciousness. Vijnana literally means uh, knowing that differentiates. V is a suffix meaning, a prefix meaning um, differentiation of some kind. So jnana is knowing, and vijnana, the knowing which differentiates. Differentiates between sight, sound, taste, odor, and so on. Okay, so when we are just aware of consciousness, we're aware of the seeing experience. Whatever is seen is one thing, but the fact of seeing, we're aware of seeing. It's not like tasting. What does seeing do? It brings an experience, an existence of shapes and colours. And I somehow am the one standing back from this. So it positions a me, a seer. Seeing creates a scene and it creates a seer. Who is the seer? Huh? Who is the seer? Well, I am. Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm here, looking out at things in front of me. That's where I am. Seeing creates that. Now you go to hearing, listening. What does listening consciousness do? Presents a world of shifting sounds and tones that vary in terms of intensity, pitch and vibration and it creates a hearer and where is the hearer? the listener well that's me where are you now? I'm in the middle of it I'm sitting with this sounding thing happening around me hmm? Okay. now you take something like um, smelling creates a world of odours not the same as hearing what do odors do? They come into me. They jump into me. They, they suddenly blossom inside me. Where are you now? Oh, I am outside. I'm bigger and these odors come into me. Okay, you've changed again, haven't you? <laughs> now what about taste? Taste, tasting. Oh, tasting is definitely happening inside me. Yeah. I am something bigger than the taste, and the taste is happening inside me. It kind of it blossoms and explodes. If it's chilies, chili peppers, it suddenly explodes inside me. Yeah. I'm just this vibrant, explosive experience of taste. That's where I am. And body? What do, where are you? What does body tell you? It tells you about tactile impressions. And where are you now? Well, I'm just completely engulfed with tactile impressions. There's no separation at all. I'm not standing, they're not in front of me, they're not around me, they're wriggling all over me. <laughs> they're stroking me pleasantly, they're jabbing me, they're strangling me. <laughs> they're throbbing me. So, yeah, and I'm getting affected by them. So you really, I'm kind of engulfed with these. That's what the, that's where the t 
tactile consciousness places you creates someone who is touched what does mind consciousness do? where are you in your mind? completely swamped don't know where I am it's just shapeless, formless kind of you know I'm all mingled up in it I am it in fact because I can't find any distance any separation from it it's neither inside me nor outside me it is me there's no position apart from it it's not happening in me it's not happening around me it's not happening in front of me it is me my mind is me and it's doing and I'm doing all kinds of crazy things I'm planning, I'm thinking, I'm worrying I'm daydreaming I'm not attentive I'm trying to pull it together I'm focusing I'm really trying hard to focus I'm putting all my effort into focusing on this and now I'm getting tired and wandered off whoops, where did I go? how come I'm drifting off again? I'm somewhere else now where am I? oh, back to the breath here I am, get back there again that's me, that's me alright drifting, trying hard, failing, falling asleep, getting excited calming down, getting spacey, that's me I change a lot that's me in my mind that's what mind consciousness does you want to take a stand on that? on that as something you take refuge in? (laughs) you want to make an identity out of that? (laughs) no wonder it's suffering but at least nobody else knows about it do they? they're all doing the same thing and trying to look kind of fairly dignified about it all focused Uh, that's me and uh, and the mind is so multidimensional we start, something starts to look at it, think about it think about the mind states, plan the mind states, that's me again that's what mind consciousness does to you suffering believing in your mind is suffering taking your mind as a person personally is suffering isn't it? I guess a few bits of fun here and there some happy bits, some peaceful bits but you look at the big picture it's just going round and round most of the thoughts you have, you've had already a hundred times most of the pictures and images you run through them till you're sick of them most of the plans and strategies you've had, you've done already you know, most of the fun you're ever going to have, you've already had (laughs) you know, it's, it's just going round and round until you kind of go get demented and senile and fall apart that's the end of that, what was all that about? (laughs) so with this sense of you know being aware mind consciousness and this me which is sometimes surrounded by experience sometimes separate and looking at experience sometimes things are happening to me sometimes we're doing things it's a mercurial experience changing, amorphous who's that? why has it changed so much? because it's part of existence existence is bhava becoming generated by clinging fed by craving stimulated by feeling triggered by contact Hmm. there it is but 
there is an ending, a ceasing, a subsiding of existence. We call this reality, awakening to reality. Reality and existence are not the same. Existence is this changing kaleidoscope with no end in sight. Reality is the awareness of that. Awareness doesn't mean thinking about it, a recognition of it, a dispassion. A dispassion, a disengagement, a non-seeking, a non-fondling, a, non- a losing of the fascination, nipita. One is no longer fascinated, hypnotized, mesmerized, enthralled, dragged around, tethered to existence. It's like this. Uh huh. And therefore, the me is not created because there's no ground for it to be established. Awareness has no ground, no way of establishing a me because it's not vijnana, it's jnana. Now, whenever you try to make an object out of awareness, that object is mind consciousness. So you, so you can't see awareness as an object. It's not attained that way. It's not attained through the sense consciousness, yeah, or anything like it. It's recognized through full attention, awareness, dispassionate towards consciousness or any of the five khanda now so if we take it again perhaps more hopefully a little more you know hands on you contemplate the experience of form experience of tactile form mindfulness of body okay So, you know, using this as a one way in. So when we say, yeah, I have a body, sure I have a body. Now, for, you know, close your eyes. If you close your eyes, you don't have a visual body. Now, you have a background impression. Because you remember, you have sanya. Yeah, I'm sitting here. There's my legs, my feet, my backside, my back. Head me up, it's all there. Uh-huh. What's there really? There's tactile impressions, and there's also something. Unfortunately, the term is proprioceptive, which is it means the body kind of knows itself as being present. It means there's a feeling of oh, oh this is now here, and it's a certain there's a certain energy about that, not necessarily a moving energy, but a kind of quality of vibrancy, of vitality, of life force. Mm-hmm. And within, and that life force presents certain rudimentary qualities. And now if we begin to soften um, visual memory of the body, the body that we kind of half remember, because you've seen it so many times, and you go, well, actually, directly what is there, body knows itself. Not as a visual impression, that's the eyes. You experience certain rudimentary qualities. The first of these is the quality of, called earth. There's a certain solidity there, a certain something that can resist pressure. Yeah? Like your body is sitting on the floor. There's some, there's a firmness there, yeah, at that point of contact. That's earth element. Yeah? And you come into where you sense your, your uh, back or your spine, and you can feel there's a kind of softer piece in front, which is your belly, and something firmer behind. So there's degrees of firmness and solidity. 
and the firmer it gets the less flexible it is so you contemplate form and take it just not just as your body but you contemplate say the floor you realize that is not flexible that is really solid earth and then the body is slightly less rigid and some parts are more rigid than others this is the earth element and it goes from subtle degrees of solidity resistance stiffness stubbornness yeah rubberiness yeah that's the earth element so that's what you're experiencing another element we're conscious of is the quality of caloricity warmth light fire heat and the absence of it cold the absence of fire and you notice again in bodies we we're pretty fine-tuned to that I think probably our comfort range is about five degrees <laughs> you know it swings five degrees lower you're all shivering cold ah oh, pleasant ah oh, and then too oh too hot <laughs> we're not really built for this planet too hot too hot too cold too cold there's a little bit in the middle you can just kind of keep tweaking the heating system and the, and the and the air condition just to try and maintain that there's the caloricity i was nice and warm and now it's going down Ooh, cold heat and certain parts may feel warmer outside surfaces backs of the hands perhaps the top of your head if you shaved your head it was pretty cool then warm spot in your belly in there oh it's nice under the arms a bit warmer curl your hands up warmer yeah. oh that's pleasant try and get everything huddled it gets warmer so you see the body is really not a unity but different patches of warmth some of it's firm some of it's rubbery some of it's rigid some of it's warm some of it's cool it's not an entity at all it's a mixing of different degrees of these Group of these elements, Datu. Another one is movement, air element, something pushes. Yeah. The ability to exert pressure. And of the most fundamental, easy way of seeing this is the breathing. Yeah. So you hold your breath, you breathe all the way out, and just don't breathe in, you'll feel the pressure builds up. Something's going to shift. Push, 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 and then you let go. Pressure releases through the body and the body expands the pressure pushes the body open yeah. and comes the full expansion the pressure subsides and then it shifts again it's again changeable yeah. if you've been running it really pushes hard your lungs burst then you get the pressure the push of the pulses blood being pushed through the system this is air element you see it around you see the wind blowing the trees the leaves pressure air element we're really not separate from the rest of nature earth fire warmth coolness pressure air blowing movement 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 another element another element is the water element water element is that which dissolves and, and coherent quality it means whatever you put in water naturally you drop something in the water whatever you drop into the water suffuses through the water you drop some uh, blue into a pond the blue dye suffuses the entire pond so similarly our body is very wet inside internally you can feel fluids you also experience the sense of the body feeling fluid that is when it's it's operating as a unity you're flowing you're flexible degree of flexibility the body feels unified if it's too rigid it feels like it's made of sticks and metal rigid so there has to be a balance between water and earth and fire and air when these things do come into harmony these elements come into harmony we feel pretty good things feel harmonious and this is a peaceful existence it's still existence but it 
It's a recommended existence. If you've got to start somewhere, this kind of existence leads to samadhi. When things are in harmony, ah, the mind is no longer tight, pressurized, pushing, stay or it feels harmonious, it feels happy and comfortable. A happy body brings a happy mind. The body is happy not through painting it, intoxicating it, but through finding harmony within the elements. The body starts to feel happy in itself. Very helpful thing to, if you want to meditate, this is what you do. You want to get samadhi, this is what you do. Get the elements in harmony. Go to the whole body and use the breathing to move vitality through the body, melting resistances, softening the hard, brightening the, the, the loose, yeah? bringing the elements into harmony, and then it settles, the breathing calms down, slows down, the energy subsides, breathing is no longer pushing or stale, it's just fine and sweet, mind feels happy, happy mind is concentrated. That's the Buddha saying, if there's any kind of existence you want to cling to, this is about as good as it gets. But if you ask me, I wouldn't even cling to that. (laughs) But certainly this does enable one to stop clinging to external phenomena, props and supports, plans and strategies, drink and food, coming and going. Yeah, I don't need that. This is good. Though this is, is a good base to release um, coarse qualities of clinging. And if we can do that in this lifetime, then we've already, you know, made a very, very good use of our time. We won't be born, become again. We've passed the test. They say, okay, you've done it. You, you can be let out of this particular game. Move on. You've done the sense consciousness thing, the run around. Okay, so now time. Practice. So, <laughs> very simple. Breathing in, breathing out. But remember, just put aside the anatomical mind picture of breathing in and out, or the thought of breathing in and out. Remember, it's a body that breathes in and out. How does a body know about breathing in and out? Where the body in itself does not know. It knows elements, it knows pressures, it knows where it feels harmonious, comfortable. Is it possible just help, just to focus primarily on getting or arriving or negotiating at one comfortable breath? Breathing comfortably, safely, deeply, not trying to get to the next one or make it work or get into samadhi, or be more mindful. Don't follow the messages of mind consciousness. Follow the message of body, because the body breathes, not the mind. Can you trust and allow your body to breathe out and wait until it decides it wants to breathe in? Can you not mess around with breathing in, but let it do it? Relax, surrender your body to the in-breath and let it rise through you. And can you let it complete itself and let it turn and clean you? Breathing out, cleaning, emptying. This is how we can begin 
mindfulness of breathing. Remember the mind with its strategies. Don't think of the next moment, the next breath. Don't think about practicing it. Don't think about being mindful of it. Whatever you do, don't think about being mindful. As your mind drifts off, pay attention. The moment you recognize your mind drifts off, pause, don't react. Check the reaction. Be deeply, deeply, fully attentive to the moment of recognizing drifting. Just sharpen and strengthen your focus right there. The drift comes to a standstill because the quality of attention is strengthening and deepening and the mind is now unified in attention and we say, where now is your body? Let's go home. Where is the comfortable place where you can let it go? Because we're in fact moving against the mind, it's like a tide of body is moving against the web, the tangle, the intensity of the mind, you're going to get some resistances, you're going to meet those tangles. And some of them will arise very much as me. This is the way they take hold. I'm not. I am. I could. Why am I? This is tension, energy. Everybody gets this. Pause. Release the breath. To play deep attention. Open your heart, turn to your body, wait for the brown breath, breathe out. This is sleepy, dreamy, unfocused, foggy, pay attention, open your eyes. Feel your body. This is breathing in, brightening up. Very patient. You find yourself getting to the end of your patience, getting too tight, too tense, just open up. Go to awareness, open your eyes, step back. Let's take a, take a few moments. Feel the ground beneath you, the floor, the firmness, the space around you. Open the hearing consciousness, attention, till energy settles again. So this is the things like this are the way we work. It's threading following, you know, a looping line, a tangled trace, a tangled skein, and, you know, very patiently turning it back.